listening to the Southwest Tech Daily podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Southwest Tech Daily podcast. I'm Robert Hillier and my co-host is Fiyaza Khan. This month we're talking about esports, the world of competitive gaming. It's a business that's worth $1.2 billion worldwide today, but predicted to reach $6 billion by the end of the decade. And there are increasing numbers of professional players around the world too. This week, one league in America announced a players' strike after being told they no longer needed amateur players. This was quite angering to many of them because they felt it would harm players looking to train up for a pro gaming career. So this is getting big. And this month, the second esports festival Southwest takes place at Exeter College. 30 teams from across the Southwest battling it out for the coveted eSports title. It's not just about the games though, but about everything else the power of gaming can bring to the Southwest economy. We hear from Annabel McCabe from Jurassic Fibre. I was skeptical, I suppose, of Rocket League and like cars and football, how does that work? It was really genuinely exciting. And just so everyone knows, Rocket Makers have been training hard this year and it sounds like they're in it to win it again and retain their crown. Yeah, lots of weekly training at the moment and we'll probably do a similar thing to last year and have a few games on the, the train on the way down. Okay, but can we also play a different Rocket Makers tease because Richard talks about something that is so fantastic and I feel like it needs to make the tease, so I'm putting it in. Double tease. VR and AR experiences are going to be the norm in the next few years. So those kids that are playing games now and it feels like playing games are actually just getting themselves ready for the future of the internet. But let's kick off with Hannah Rowe from Rowe IT. I really enjoy talking to her because I felt an affinity. We seem so similar in a lot of ways. She has twins as well, and she also works with her husband. But she doesn't find her husband annoying, so I guess that's where the similarity ends. Yeah, hilarious. I bet she finds him hilarious, though. (laughs) So let's find out about what goes on at Rowe IT. Most of our sort of programming skills are Java-based, but then... We've got others alongside. I think the big biggest change we've seen is cloud, cloud services, the introduction of AWS, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, uh, and GCP, which is the Google Cloud Platform. So um, that has been the biggest change with um, most of the public sector now not wanting to have on-premise servers, but wanting to use um, virtual servers in the cloud and for us to host and manage those services. That has been the biggest change. And actually, if you look at those changes from a cost perspective, it's a good way ahead for them, but it's also a good way ahead from a net zero environmental perspective in that these servers can surge and scale with requirement, and they tend to be more environmentally friendly with energy and power. So if you're looking from a planetary point of view as well, it's an interesting space to get into. I mean, I'm not going to get into AI because, you know, the public sector really isn't in AI, but the, the biggest thing at the moment is cloud. I work in private, um, the public sector and it's actually one of our biggest uh, bugbears at the moment. Don't um, ask the public sector about AI because, um, yeah, as no. you say, they're not, they're, not in that, they're not in that space, are they, as yet? No, but um, just to move on slightly from that, you, you said that you joined uh, this company or you you start this company with your husband um and tell me more about the role that you do and how what your contribution is um or has been over the last 15 years that sounds like an interview question so, sorry about that yeah i'm applying for this job i'm looking for it now so paul um 
Paul is is the software engineer. He blows me away. He's for me, he's incredibly inspirational and he remains so. Um, he's very analytical and logical um, and very good at communicating and talking with people. So he runs the sort of operation sales side of the business. Um, and I'm the rest, and we've now called it internal lots, but essentially I'm I'm doing the, the governance. So we are ISO 27001 and 9001 certified, so that's quality and information security, cybersecurity contracts. Um, my most important role for me is the sort of people side of it and the sort of social values, community outreach, because one of the things we enjoy the most and one of the things that you know, I would say our employees like the most is that we are part of a wider community. So we work really hard to sort of give back um, to our local area, whether it's, you know, supporting the YMCA so that their elder members can join together on socials and meet up and look after their mental health or or feed their digital college um, to wider things like supporting the digital uplift course that the tech women have been running for women in Cornwall. All of those sort of things are incredibly important to us because we actually live in quite a deprived area um, in Plymouth and in Cornwall and making sure that people have got opportunities um, and aspirations really does matter. Um, And it does matter for the future as well because we've got to make sure we've got digital engineers coming through. Um, so that's one of one of the roles I play alongside marketing um, and anything, anything other that needs doing. That's me, in essence. Actually, the, the reason I asked you that interview question was because, you know, you mentioned aspiration, you know, over the last 10 years that Robert and I lived in the uh in the southwest we found that aspiration is definitely something that has always been top of the agenda other than bringing in tech skills and other skills into the the region but um besides that i was wondering if you know earlier in your life you have worked in uh, the military and i wonder if that has impacted how you run your business in any way good question I think lots of things. I think your whole life leads to where you are at the, that moment in time. So um, I joined the Navy from doing a law and philosophy degree. Why philosophy? Who knows? I really don't know to this day why I did philosophy. And it's been one of the best and worst things I've done. I do not regret it for one second. It taught me so much. It was an amazing journey. It's given me some fabulous friends. I had some experiences there that I don't think any woman should should have to go through. But then again, it's taught me what's right and what isn't right behaviour. I think if you look back at the sort of 90s, women accepted behaviour far more in the workplace than they do now. And I thank God that's changed. Um, so that's taught me a lot. Um, and being a mother has taught me a lot as well. A lot of those skills I'm bringing into the business. But what I think I've bringing in most is being a sort of proud Cornish woman you know being very aware in the town that we come from the opportunities and aspirations for for young people coming through they're very limited they're very slim Um, and we talk about the tech sector in Cornwall an awful lot and I and I wonder whether how aware people are of it or how they can get into it you know it's a really tricky thing for kids who don't have that information, because information's key. Without information, you've really got nothing. Um, so 
going around and sort of sharing what we can with schools, primary schools, whether it's even, you know, things that we've been sponsoring, like the, the Lego, the Lego First League that was in Cornwall recently, we sponsored schools to go to that. And then the schools went up to Harrogate and one of the schools won the Innovation Award. That raises kids' aspirations, you know, that they're suddenly doing STEM in a whole different way. And they realise that they can be engineers, they can be mechanics, IT, tech, whatever they want to be, there is a whole wide world out there. And that's incredibly important for kids, incredibly important. And not just kids, I think when you're changing your career, you know, life doesn't have to be one career just for life. You can, life is made up of a whole series of careers. You can change it at any point, but it's it's knowing which direction to go to. So being part of that journey for our wider community is really, really important to us. Yeah, that definitely resonates with me and uh, the time that I spent at Falmouth University doing some quite similar work in terms of you know, showing people that there was, from, from any age, in any background, that there was a, there was a, a a pathway through to a um, a myriad of careers. So I'm just going to a little little bit of a of a link actually straight from that into into esports in terms of um, growing industries, future economy, etc. Uh, and the uh, involvement you've had in that. Talk to us about about how that came about. So we are part of Tech Southwest, doing an amazing job um, in the area raising awareness for our, our, our sector um, and they wanted to start an esports festival with Dexter and I thought you know this is great because if nothing else it's fun after a dreadful period that we all went through with Covid um, it's a bit of light relief if nothing else and certainly within the company it really struck a chord because um, a lot of us are gamers as I'm sure you can imagine um, being software engineers um, and, and so the esports festival really struck a chord so being part of that um, being able to sponsor it being able to be part of the banter being able to see how Exeter runs its esports course has been a really interesting journey um, and so we're, we're really pleased to be part of it again in the second year um, and just seeing how it's developing and growing um, Esports is an interesting area. I, I don't know what the future is for it yet. It, it's still almost in its baby stages as to whether it can become a sort of viable business. But if nothing else, it provides social and, and, and a fun outlet for a lot of people who are passionate about gaming. Yeah, well, I see it is uh, for many, many individuals, uh, especially like on places like Twitch, etc. It is a viable solo business, certainly. Um, and I wonder... Tell me more about your team. Who are they? Very good question. Um, this year, um, we've got four members of the team. Um, they are Tristan, who is our apprentice, uh, Matt, Sam and Joe. Uh, and all together, they make up the robots. We're sticking with that name this year because we felt it was a strong one. Uh, they're busy practicing as we speak, um, doing Rocket League. I do I hold up much hope for us? It turns out solicitors are also very good gamers, as we found out last year. Um, but they're going to go and they'll give it a, um, they'll give it 100 percent and they'll have fun. And that's really all that matters. Wait, why aren't you in the team? <laughs> because I tried. Well, actually, you need to ask my my twins why I'm in, not in the team. So I, I love 
gaming. I've got my own Xbox. I'm very hot on Lego games. I'm trying, currently working my way through Hogwarts Legacy. Um, I tried Rocket League and um, The Witcher, but it turns, oh, and shooting games, but it turns out I'm not very good at moving, shooting, and pointing myself in the right direction at the same time, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit of a, a downside when it comes to Rocket League. Um, I can I can drive the car, but as soon as I lose sight of the ball, then that's it. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it, but I think I'd be more of a hindrance than a help. Yeah, I'm the same as you, actually. I'm terrible at Rocket League. But give me, like, a shooting game, and I am there. Or something like Street Fighter. That is that is my place. I love it. I'm so good at it. You want to get on the fucking screen on Pac-Man? I'm your man. <laughs> yeah, Rob, it's not. <laughs> but my favorite game is is um, Mario, though. I love it. It's like the best game ever. I don't know why anyone just disses Mario. It's the best game. When you asked me to do this, I was remembering younger, because obviously I'm the generation that started off with the ZX81s at home. That sort of came through and you put it now, together with that. Now you're talking my language. Oh. I can still smell my spectrum. There's a certain thing. Oh my God. There's a, yeah, there's, I, I can, I that can rub, be the very rubber keys is the spectrum. The rubber keys, yes. And there's just some, that I, I remember seeing one, Um, I think I saw one in the science museum fairly recently. Oh yeah, yeah. We were is fairly, sulfid, weren't we? It's fairly ridiculous. But looking at it and it's the most extraordinary um, memories that it, that it, that it brings back. I'm just, you know, so I think it's obviously difficult to convey the impact that that had people um, when that appeared. It was a proper, it was a proper changer in so many ways. You know what I think, by the way, just as a segue, it, uh, a lot of people always think that you, Robert, are much younger than you are because they're looking at me and they're not properly looking at you and they think we're in the same generation. Can I just clarify that is not the case? Because I'm not of the ZX Spectrum era. <laughs> Hey, I have you know we're in our prime for ZX Spectrum kids. <laughs> I'm just, have, I'm just saying. Know. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to let people know because Annabelle was on earlier, and I'm pretty sure she's younger than Robert. But because she looked at me, she said to him, "Oh, I think we're probably in different. I'm much older than you." I was thinking, "No, you aren't. <laughs> He's much older than you." Yeah, I mean, obviously, all this, all this will be cut out of the edit. Um, uh, I edit, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm feeling ZX Spectrum age shaming going on here. <laughs> But I mean, I, that was that was a wonderful time because I can remember my dad getting it, and you know, it only had one, you know, KB memory. You could get an, an add-on which sort of fell off the back, but you'd have to program all your own games in, and and if it worked, it was a miracle. If it saved tape, it was a miracle, and and you'd get these games through magazines. Dad would buy the magazines, and you'd type them all in, and then the Spectrum came, and it had all those games. Do you remember Robert Elite? What's funny thinking back is that, you know, when, when I first got a Spectrum and it was like, it's got 48K, what on earth are you <laughs> going to do with all of that? <laughs> who, on earth, who on earth can deal with 48 It's far too much K. But, I mean, oh, it was ridiculous. But, but because but the ZX81... The games, well, remember Elite? Well, yes, of course, yeah. Because the ZX81 was 1K, wasn't it? Which is also yeah. unbelievable to think back. So to go from to go from that amount... But I think so. So much of of the ability that 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 we have to be able to squeeze every single piece that you can out of these computers, I think, was because in theory they they were so limited. I mean, a game like Elite should not really have been possible on a on a computer like the Spectrum. Yeah. So it was interesting. There was an interesting article about that recently, wasn't there? Saying that actually people are now wasting their memory. They're not as efficient as they used mm. to be, and actually we're going to have to change that because of the environmental impact mm. 
of, of storing and using code and being cleverer with the way that we use use the things that we have. So I think the spectrum teaches us a lot, but I certainly enjoyed learning how to code in basic. Yeah. Um, and then the games that came through, like The Hobbit, which is that sort of role-playing games. Then on to, do you remember Duke Nukem? Yes, yeah. No, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything I didn't, um, I didn't have. I mean, I can't not quite sure what I used to do with the rest of my time. I mean, it was, it was complete, um, complete. And all, all of my, I say, I say, I say friends, I use the word in its widest possible form. We, we were all, um, we were all, you know, kind of fixated by, by the spectrum, what it can do and seeking out new games and, you know. What, you had to amazing. code your own games? Not all of them. Oh yeah. Not what? all of, not all of, not all of them. Yeah, but it, it, you say so you, you, you'd, you'd buy a magazine like computer and video games or something and it would have, within it pages and pages of code you'd sit down and you'd code and then you'd save it onto a cassette as you say Hannah hopefully it would save you were never you're never really too sure if it didn't till you played it back and then um yeah you'd finish and then off you'd off you'd go that's amazing I wish they had that now because how good would that be for like stem subjects well, yeah, but also you had to hope that the the, the magazine was correct because very often you'd spend days doing it and then testing it and then going through it thinking, why is it not working? <sighs> then the next month's magazine would come out and say, oh, sorry, there was a mistake. <laughs> there was a mistake on page 28 on this line and that's why the whole thing, yeah. It's an extraordinary time. And, of course, there is, there is now a disconnect with modern gaming in that way, is it? You can't, you can't publish a magazine or an article with a, with a code for a PS5 game. It is impossible. So there's a, the, you, yeah. you're removed from from the uh from the technology that you use most of the time it's, it's very very interesting it's different ways of doing it now and and we're seeing sometimes we're struggling with maybe some of the basics in software engineering coming out of some of the universities now that they're not being taught the basics there's a lot of focus on machine learning and ai um, without the basics and I, I i think that's wrong well i know it's wrong because we're having to do that ourselves but there's some incredibly talented young software engineers out there there really is but my kids laugh at me because they go oh, why are you doing something about esports but they forget esports has been around since the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. in some form or other and we've been part of that journey and every generation just makes the most of the technology that they've got and, and takes it to the max and enjoys it mm-hmm. so the current generation doing esports yeah it's different to ours but you know we were there pioneers amazing any, i mean any, any arcade machine that allows you to put in a high score that's esports i mean i used to go, you know, i used to go and play defender you know down the roll arena in plimstock um and the following week you go and see you know if your score was still up there i mean i have properly dated the entire <laughs> the entire podcast at this point but i mean that's no that's just a fact the fact, the fact you the do f- every day but the fact, no, but, but the fact the fact, <laughs> the fact you're not sitting with headphones on connected to somebody playing in japan doesn't mean it's not you know it's no it's just it's just a it's an evolution but since you know, since arcade games were around, there's been competitive gaming in that way. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I love arcade games. I mean, if it wasn't for all the germs, they'd be there all the time. Anyway, no, for sure, there were no germs in Plimstock Roll Arena. Yeah, in 1981. Ew. Ew. <laughs> you could always you could always wear gloves. Yeah, gloves, mask, everything. Take my own wipes as well. Gaming and esport, I think they, it can have a very negative image people always have you know thoughts it's it's somebody sat in a dark room you know 
eating bags of crisps and, and sort of very antisocial. And actually, it's quite the opposite. Um, it's a very social interaction. It's where you learn a hell of a lot of skills. What well, you know, the, those fast reflexes, the multitasking, um, thinking on your feet. It's all skills that the military, let's face it, are looking for now and in the future. So gaming is, for me, a very positive thing. And certainly during COVID, I think it kept young people's mental health, or a lot of people's mental health, very positive. You know, even if you look on television programmes, people who are shown as gamers or software engineers, or even female software engineers, all tend to be slightly weird, slightly geeky. Um, overweight, greasy hair. There's a very negative connotation about uh, somebody who who games. They're antisocial. They're weird. They're sociopaths. They're probably the ones who are going to go around and do something bad at school. And that, that I think that's where a lot of the negativity comes from. Um, and actually, in my experience, it's quite the opposite. Yeah, mine too. And I think it might be a generational change as well. I think that you know that most, um, so we say, mainstream media opinion formers or people within government don't really understand it and so um they will still see uh, they still see jobs and future economy in a much more traditional way uh than the reality of what most people what most people's lives are like and so i think that um give it 10 15 20 years uh, that's that's the kind of a, that's the kind of thing that will change i have to because you know a lot of it will be remote if you think about the military with drones flights even weapons that's good that's going to be remote and it's going to be people who are gamers probably so you know a lot of our societal changes will come around from the technology we have hannah rowe from row it so aside from our mutual adoration of the spectrum what came out of that is how passionate hannah is about cornwall and raising aspirations in cornwall in the southwest Next up, we hear from Jurassic Fibre, also eSports Festival sponsors. Their events manager, Annabel McCabe, told us that eSports are not the only sport they're interested in. I've just signed a contract in January um, with Somerset County Cricket Club and with their T20 sponsor for the whole of this season, um, which is great for us because we get to be on Sky. Um, we also have a very local um, centre point for to community focus as well at the ground but it gets us a really wide reach so we do everything from small community events right up to big big flagship ones like the t20 and we're at 12 fixtures so you can come to the jurassic fiber fan village if you're at the game and we've got virtual reality cricket there and we just have a lot of fun with the attendees really that's amazing so i guess they chose the right person for events i mean who better but tell me um you guys are also sponsoring the esports festival right we are indeed yeah it was one of my first commercial decisions actually in november december 21 going into 22's um esports festival and i was really passionate about supporting the gaming community and seeing uh the future of it within uh sort of the wider landscape of the region how it will attract talent and how it will retain our talent so that was one key um focus and obviously i'd worked with tech, tech southwest before and knew that it would just be a great event to be part of so there was great credibility there from their side um extra college absolutely fantastic in terms of their center there their gaming center and what they can offer the students 
It's absolutely fantastic. And being part of it last year just made me want to be part of it again this year, really. So Annabelle, so some some sponsorships are about the positioning and growing the general awareness of a company, but some relationships like this actually have a much more physical importance, don't they? This is actually about making sure that those students at Exeter College um, have the right infrastructure to support what it is they want to do in in their careers. How important is it to Jurassic Fibre to be to be part of that? genuine physical improvement of infrastructure which was oh it's absolutely at the heart of what we do a customer is number one for a start so whatever product and service we can provide um the customer is always centric to that so um and off the back of that we want to support the communities where they're needed most and if we could have any part in retaining or attracting talent to the to the southwest because it's a huge issue down here and gaming and technology um is, is in this way is the future and i think there are parts of society that maybe not realize how important it is and just see it as a hobby but actually there's so much scope and we want to keep these guys um in in the region and working here um whether that just be remotely they don't have to go off to London or Bristol or Manchester we've got a lot to offer in Exeter and I think just to be at the heart and part of it is exactly what Jurassic wants to wants to do well and and in order to keep gaming or or to increase gaming's profile here in the southwest we we have to have the right internet for that we have to have super fast broadband we have to have fiber it's got to be you know people have to be online to be able to do it and I wonder, um, you know, a few years ago, I did a story when I was at BBC Radio Cornwall and it was over a year because one of the problems that we tended to have here in the Southwest as a whole, but uh, mainly affecting Cornwall, was that um, while BT Openreach had sorted everywhere out for fibre, everyone had broadband technically, Yeah, the, the final like five or 10 metres of copper wire hadn't mm. been put through to each home how yeah. how do we i know that's quite a technical ridiculous question but how do we <laughs> no, no, no. No, solve not that problem so we uh, do ft we provide ftp which is full fiber to the premises so that solves that problem and there is a difference between full and just fiber so it's the speeds um and everything that we can offer having that f- fiber to the door makes a huge difference rather than just to the cabinet in your road or you know um in the vicinity of your property fttp is is just provides a much better solution well that's because it actually gives your house internet because otherwise yeah. you have all your sporty which is crazy exactly. yeah exactly but it's it's really interesting question because a lot of people don't realize that you know what they're actually being provided with um from their internet um connector so it's a no it's a great question thank you um this is a this this is just an aside actually in 1996 when i was at radio cornwall i did cornwall's first ever piece on the internet (gasps) wow it was the first internet cafe had opened up i remember that my first question was so what is the internet (laughs) i probably didn't even know what it was then and and i am definitely older than you so that just shows my but this is the point isn't it you know i mean if me at that age was listening to this conversation Mm. i would want on earth 
we were talking about. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Well, we've come along leaps and bounds for sure. And I was, I was wondering, you know, now you you finding yourself in in the position you're in, have you have have you been surprised about what you've learned about about the importance of having decent broadband and the economic yeah. advantage that it brings and what it can open up? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been a huge education because like most people I just think, oh, you just need it to work from home or you need it if you've got multiple occupancy in your home, if you've got lots of teenagers, et cetera, and they've all got lots of, or you've just got lots of different devices, even without children. Um, um, but the grounding for me actually was, I was at a bit of a crossroads um, myself personally. And um, I decided to just like, down tools and um go and just work temporarily in a, in a job I just needed some headspace and I'd already knew a couple of people at Jurassic but that's not how I got the role uh, or got this particular the temporary role so I just went and tempt in their customer care um center and that actually <laughs> within day one I was answering queries and you know about talking about routers and it was a real baptism of fire but actually then being offered the events and sponsorship role it helped me hugely because going to these events you do get asked questions and my technical knowledge is like you could put on the on a a needle point in comparison to a lot of my colleagues but I can talk to a to a member of the public, you know, a potential customer and answer some basic questions. And like you say, like fibre to the premises and all those things. So that's, for me personally, was a real grounding and, and gave me a good sense of knowledge. But it's so important that we realise the power of connection that broadband brings. It's not just the fact that you can stream your Netflix. It, it's about the much wider piece and it crosses all demographics it can be life-saving if you have critical personal alarms in your home um you know or if you're uh, if you're vulnerable there are so many different facets to what broadband can help with it's just just not simply a a a a way of watching your favorite program there's so much more to it than that a hundred percent i mean in the last 10 years the united nations listed having internet as uh, a human right I was going to say it's a basic human right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is a basic human right at the moment. And I think that is something that, you know, it's it's quite concerning then that there are so many parts of the world and also this country that are not connected. Um, mm. and it's actually quite shocking. Yeah, it is. And that's part of the levelling up that we would like to see. So there are lots of um, very uh, disadvantaged areas within our region that we are very keen to help and to connect so north devon being part of that and we are going into cornwall as well we are imbued and then we are hoping to to roll out further as well our network being in those disadvantaged areas and hopefully being able to connect as many people as possible in those areas is what's hugely part of of the agenda amazing well that's very exciting and i really hope to hear more about what you guys are doing um on future podcasts but tell us more about esports festival and whether or not you have a great team lined up of course we have and we've got the best name sorry guys get giraffe's kick oh i love it <laughs> i know i would love to take claim for it but it was one of my much more creative colleagues hallie who, who came up with that last year 
and we just thought well it's just so good we're going to keep it again for this year said why not if it works why shut it down robert's mind worrying he thinks he's the king <laughs> of creating pop quiz names so <laughs> i can see his yeah. mind hoping he can come up with something better before we stop talking which is in like five minutes robert so you know <laughs> no pressure <laughs> exactly i'm just i'm just going for a walk hang on um but tell me so you know what was it like last year and what are you hoping for this year okay so um last year was tense we didn't win um but we're we're coming back people we're coming back we've got a great team um and I can't wait so I'm gonna be there all day so I can't wait to see it all unfold and like chat to everyone again about um you know where they're at and stuff it's just yeah it's it's crazy it's lovely to see everybody there that was involved because I think it's pretty much the same people and maybe some more as well so that's fantastic so let's just hope we get a little bit higher up that leaderboard than we did last year I did win they had a an online shootout game oh and I did in the sort of in between the gaming bits downstairs in the college and apparently the look on my face, I was, I lit, yeah, I am quite competitive. And um, yeah, I won that. So I got a little trophy, but unfortunately the whole team, um, we didn't, we didn't quite get there, but yeah, they're practicing. I know they're practicing. Was that, well, was that, was that your first um, proper full on experience of, uh, of, of the gaming world? Yes. Not it's not a, it's not a world I know you, at all. What did you, um, think, what did you think of it? I, th- I thought it was incredible actually. And it was really it was really genuinely exciting. I was kind of a bit, appre- not apprehensive, but a bit sceptical, I suppose, of uh, Rocket League and like cars and football. How does that work? But my God, you get sucked right into it. And it's really good. It's really cool. It's really good fun. Really inclusive. Um, yeah, it's just, it, yeah, just a lot of fun. So I, I totally get it. I get why people are so passionate about it um and the facilities like i say at the college are just amazing so very lucky students and we also sponsored the extra college e-student award two years running because we want to back the students um that are in that 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 sphere as well so it's sort of it's a nice little 360 so it's lovely as we grow as a company it's really nice to hear about all the different activities that people do outside of work um as well and i know gaming is one of those that's right up there so um we, yeah, we didn't have problems getting a team together so that's great that's amazing and actually rocket league i find it quite tough my kids love it but i find it really tough to play i'm not into do that. you yeah no i've never played it i've never i've never played it um but yeah i've just been a uh, a spectator so i'm using the excuse that i have to facilitate the day so we've got another colleague um who's going to be on the breakfast panel um in the morning and then i'm going to be there all day and i'm going to be presenting the awards as well at the end so um yeah let's hope let's hope let the best team win i guess i should say yeah. but I'm sick. <laughs> i know um extra chiefs had a team on as well because mm. don almond oh um, yes i know don yeah he was leading the the brigade mm. that, but they didn't do very well either so you know no, i think we i think we might have come above them actually i think oh, yeah no i think but he was very upset about that <laughs> yeah i'm sure he was <laughs> annabelle mccabe there from jurassic fiber right let's get on to last year's winners and a very serious team rocket makers matt harris and richard godfrey happy to be a part of the festival again i think uh, as part of the original one we did a little bit of marketing and um, helped 
boosted a bit of the hype of the the competition which was great and really well received from from feedback from the college yeah really looking forward to attending okay so you are last year's winners now we are. obviously you have to keep hold of that title the rocket league we're very, title we're very much hoping so okay so what have you done so that i mean how have you guys been training tell me about this have you been training so i think the the anticipation for next year's event has been in place since the start of the last win i have to say um recently we've been doing weekly training um in the office and at home as well um we were contemplating having a different team this year um so we've had some tryouts um but i think um, we were all in the end really keen to bring back the original three players so yeah lots of weekly training at the moment um and we'll probably do a similar thing to last year and have a few games on the the train on the way down so richard godfrey is this a lot of skiving off at work it sounds like it doesn't it <laughs> but but actually i think it was great i mean we were really impressed with with last year the whole organization of it the uh just getting involved, meeting different companies, uh, all getting around in the Southwest and doing it around a, a really exciting game. I mean, we were we were watching it in the office, uh, those of us that weren't down in sunny Exeter, and uh, we had it on a big screen. We, had, we probably had 20 of us around cheering along. So, yeah, we didn't get much work done, it has to be said, but it was a great, engaging, fun experience for everybody. Actually, that's good to note because it is played live on Twitch, isn't it? So everyone can watch it online if they wanted to. Yeah, and it was all yeah. a bit... It's all a bit fast for me, you know, I'm getting on a bit now. So uh, yeah, as a, as a game, it was kind of moving really, really quick, really exciting. And uh, yeah, really nice to, to see how it was all coming together. And then to come out with a, a win at the end of it with the team was just fantastic. So, what, you know, what makes you want to be part of this festival? It sounds like it's very, very exciting. Obviously, you're winning. That's a good reason as well. But, you know, for the wider Southwest and, and actually for the, the long term effects of something like this, what, why is it so important for, for companies to get involved? Getting people to talk to each other. And it's just a mechanism to do that for, for me. And, and gaming is just a, you know, it's a really interesting way of doing that. It's a, it's a common set of things that people, you know, you know engaged in, uh, you know, care about, are passionate about. So, uh, so actually having an opportunity to just to get together and, uh, and meet other interesting organizations that have a similar, similar sort of positive outlook on these things is just really good to get involved with. Yeah, um, I echo a lot of that. And I think what, what really struck home for us when we arrived is how well the event had been put together. And actually, aside from the gaming itself, all of the other aspects that are involved, so the marketing, the live streaming, the, the digital studio on site, bringing that all together and actually getting a, a glimpse from behind the scenes as to how that gets thrown together was was quite eye-opening to us. And uh, we, we really went in with no great expectations of, of winning. I think the whole the whole day for us was quite surreal. Um, sat in the, the room opposite whilst all the games happened and lots of people running around trying to organise the event. And, but yeah, it was, it was a really great day. So I played Rocket League, like most of us have, and obviously it's very playable. Do you think that too many people turned up and they were overly complacent? Um, I think it was a really mixed bag. We were surprised to see some players using keyboard and mouse. That that gave us some confidence. But I think what was what made the day, to be honest with that, was actually how diverse the, the players were. So everyone from, from counsellors to rugby team to developers, it was such a great mix, um, which kind of made it really, really enjoyable for us. Wait, keyboard and mouse, did you guys have to bring your own controls? 
it's uh, so the college have some controllers, uh, mainly uh, like an Xbox style controller. Um, but I think if you're if you're a serious player, you bring your own controller, your own key mappings. <laughs> I, I think, I think that was a thing people did. They bring their own own control pad. I suppose that makes sense. Yeah, mu- that. muscle memory is a huge yeah, part of really um, kind of a success for playing yeah, a game yeah. that fast paced. Yeah. Do you think? Um, do you think be- being in the world? makes a huge difference do you think for people who might have just been sitting down for the first time do you think that you kind of understand how these games are built and what they need and the way that you win just having that kind of day-to-day understanding does it make a difference in this sort of situation i I think it gives you an edge um i think the concept of rocket league is fairly relatable obviously similar to, to football um, I think the the part that people don't really appreciate is how well you need to communicate with your other players and you don't really have time to talk so there's there's very subtle ways of playing that game effectively um you know even switching between different camera modes having the right controller uh, mappings that are more optimal than the standard ones it's, it's those bits that give you the edge in what's quite a competitive space giving away secrets there yeah this is like elite level. <laughs> this is like elite level rocket league yeah. is there is there any way to get better at it apart from playing the game is there anything like that this sounds sounds a bit mad are they transferable <laughs> skills from kind of day-to-day life you can apply a lot, a lot of strategy to a game like that so there's various scenarios and sequences that tend to play out um especially um the start of the match as well um you will start at a, a set position um there's different different strategies as to who get the ball first um how to spend your resources in the game you boost um so yeah there's there's a lot of strategy to it this is happening at Exeter College. There's a few apprenticeships at Exeter College as well. There's a there's a gaming course. It's very, very much looking towards building the skills of the future. So how can we ensure that, you know, just to ask a slightly serious question, but, you know, parents are much more on board with with gaming and seeing gaming even as a career for their children? Yeah, I think... Um it's a real challenge still i think it's it's not always clear what gaming really is and I, I kind of mentioned it before but there's a lot more to it than just playing the game there's there's the whole industry behind hosting it and the marketing the 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 kind of digital elements behind that which brings it to life for the the viewers um so i think when it's when when the landscape is set out in that way i think it becomes a lot clearer for parents that may maybe think you know they're just sat wasting their time on, on a computer not getting out in, in the sunshine and things like that but there's a lot more to it. It's the way the world's going, and I think it, it shouldn't be something that's turned away. Definitely in terms of, uh, when I look at uh, the way the whole idea of the metaverse has blown up over the last few months, and uh, admittedly, uh, it's sort of burst a little bit at the moment, but fundamentally, that you know, the direction of travel is definitely engaging people more in 3D experiences. And if you look at you know, kids that are growing up in you know Roblox and Fortnite, and uh, they're spending an awful lot of their time in those sorts of environments. So you, you can start to see that the you know the direction of work in the future is going to be you know in 3D and how you leverage that. And uh, and and organisations like you know like Rocky Makers, we're investing a lot of our time and effort in building sort of supporting products and uh, and interesting things that are in the whole AR, VR, XR space. So we've got a product we've been building called Beam, which is all about how do you how do you kind of create uh, and manage content in 3D environments, and that's with an expectation that many more, you know, websites and apps and and uh, VR and AR experiences are going to be the norm in the next few years. So those kids that are playing games now and it feels like playing games are actually just getting themselves ready for the future of the internet. I think. 
I love that quote that's going in the tease. But tell me more about this product. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it's something we've been working on for, oh, goodness, uh, five five years or so now. And uh, we had the help of Innovate UK as a, a grant to help us do it because it was a bit sort of early early thinking around what what's you know the art of the possible in in 3d spaces one of the challenges that we see is that there's well there's lots of challenges at the moment of of bringing sort of virtual experiences to people there's the cost of goggles there's the quality of those goggles there's the the creation of 3d content that's that's there all those are things that are, are really expensive to do and the you know the big guys like meta and nvidia and others are, are tackling all of those problems but but one of the problems that sort of is left behind is how do you make it really cost efficient to manage environments once you've created them. And uh, and that's what Beam is all about. It's looking at how do you sort of dynamically change content once games have been created and put out there? And how do you perhaps put particular pieces of content that are there that are relevant to the particular users or gamers in the process? So we can understand who you are, what you're doing, and dynamically change the content in those 3D games or environments. And it works across all sorts of different verticals. So it's uh, in, in retail, where you might have digital twins of stores through sort of architectural visualization. Uh, and yeah, all all told, there's, it touches so many ways in, pe- in which people are kind of developing tools and, and how their lives might be adjusted and jobs in the future so we it's early days in the sense that we're kind of we're just out with a with the product we've got our first customer under our belt and we're working with just making some amazing experiences to try and showcase it how how does it actually work though what, what i mean when you say we've got the product is it like a code or how does it how does the customer yeah, use a, that a lot of the games are built in using a games engine so we have things like unity we have unreal engine and uh, and on the web we have some things like webgl and uh, so we have a sort of plug-in that you can plug into those games engines that almost gives you unless you create sort of almost like an invisible placeholder in the in the environment where in the future that can be changed so you can you could just make a, a 3d object appear or uh, it could be an image or a video or some spatial audio in in the scene so uh for example we could be sat around a sort of virtual table now and and based on who we are and, and some of the things we like the things that appear on the table in certain positions could be based on uh, our preferences or or perhaps you know I think one of the really interesting things around this is that you don't necessarily want to kind of self-reinforce things. You want to give people the chance to see things they haven't seen before. So it might be that we can dynamically put something in that is completely new to somebody in in that experience. Uh, and then the really interesting thing for me is is when you can, if you can dynamically put things into games and, and environments, is that you can then use some analytics to understand what's going on. What are people looking at? What are they picking up? What are they doing with things? And if you can do the analytics, you can then change the experience dynamically based on some AI in the future. So I think it's a really interesting way of starting to create really dynamic experiences for for training, but uh, but also for games. Oh so my God. Uh, yeah, maybe we should try and show some of it down at the uh, at, at the e-game stuff. We'll, 100%. we'll try and bring them with us to show you. That yes, has, that, that has made me feel like I know nothing. Yeah, my mind is completely <laughs> blown. I'm just in awe, and like you know what I'm, I'm getting Sandra Bullock in the Net vibes. I don't know if that's like <laughs> too long ago or whatever, but I don't know if you guys have ever watched the Net. I recently watched it with my daughter, and in it, she orders a pizza off her computer, and I remember the first time I watched that it was like 1994 or something, and I thought, oh my goodness, that is incredible. This is the same. <laughs> 
This is the same vibes I'm getting. This is incredible. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah, hologram pizzas. I think that's what we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, except you can't eat them. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'd rather real ones. So I think I think I think like like most people, I I think of Rocket Makers as the Manchester City of the uh, Southwest. Oh yeah. Esports world. One hundred percent. I think I think most people think of Richard as the Pep Guardiola <laughs> of that world. What's it going to take? To beat you. I think it's going to be a much bigger challenge this year. I think looking at the, the competition, the number of teams that have just been into the mix. So it's a whole different landscape of, of competition. Um, some familiar faces, which is going to be great. Um, but I don't know, them? lots of practice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the Champions League is the only one that we haven't managed to, to win so far around uh, Rocket League. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we win this again and then we go sort of full European and, uh, and take it further. Matt Harris and Richard Godfrey from Rocket Makers, how cool does their Beam Metaverse software sound? I love that you just read whatever I write. That is amazing because you would never say, how cool does that sound? Yeah, couldn't be bothered to change it on this occasion. <laughs> yes, no, it does sound cool though. Mind blown. The thing about the whole Rocket Makers crew though, is that they're just such nice people. I just, I want them to win. Sorry, Hannah and Annabelle. No, I really they do. They are. They're always... I mean, everybody's nice, actually. Oh, no, I know. But, you know, the thing is... I though, suppose we've known them for longer. Maybe, but also, they just they just always just seem so jolly, even though they, they do take this quite seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been training every week for quite a while. I keep seeing them down Sidwell's Point <laughs> in the, the new gymnasium there <laughs> on the finger spinner. I didn't realise that you had to take your own controls. I mean, I'm so naive. I think if we're part of the festival next year, then 100% we need to, one, have a really good name, and two, take our own controls. It does make sense, one's own indentations. Matt made a good point about the hand-eye coordination, muscle memory situation. But the thing is though, rocket makers are just calling themselves rocket makers. They don't have like a fancy name and then they won. So I'm kind of wondering if we should just go as Southwest Tech Daily mm. rather than call ourselves something. Maybe just focus on winning rather than a cool name. Well, your, t- your team name could be eSports Winners 2024, which <laughs> would really confuse the uh, announcer, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. Next up. Yeah, exactly. And also intimidate your opponents. Mm. Rocket makers, we're coming for you next year. <laughs> as long as they play Jet Set Willy. Oh, what the hell that is. Well, that's it, exactly. That's it. See, Do neither, not know what neither, you're talking about. Neither will they. Okay, that is all we have time for today. We have gone into some weird metaverse. So go and take a look at the Southwest Tech Daily website. There's a bunch of good stuff to read on there every day. And uh, lots and lots of good contributors uh, around the Southwest. Yeah, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this Southwest Tech Daily podcast so you get notifications every time there's a new episode. And get in touch on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, at SWTechDaily. We would love to hear from you. Or you can contact Samaya at evanesco.co.uk. She's our producer and the person to get in touch with if you want to get on the podcast. She's the one. Thanks for listening. Bye. The Southwest Tech Daily Podcast.